Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and the match that we'll be getting into today is 1994's Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, versus 2014's 22 Jump Street. Keenan, how are we doing on this very, very warm day? I am very, very warm. Yeah, it's only going to get worse tomorrow. Yeah, I I think it's fair to say that you and I are not, we're, we're winter gentlemen really, aren't we? Yeah, not big man weather. No, this is not. If it's anything over a balmy eight degrees, then honestly, I'm in trouble. We'll see how we go. We'll try and provide as much energy as uh, as we can. Uh, news of the week. We do have some before headlines we, this week. Yeah. Before, before we go any further, you're okay? You hear me okay? Sounds fine? Yeah, much better. Right. Wonderful. So, Let's go. four headlines this week. Uh, mm-hmm. The first one, interestingly, links into a film that we've done previously, the Equalizer 3 is in the works at the moment, and it will see Dakota Fanning reuniting with Denzel Washington for the first time since Man on Fire. Oh, but fair enough. Is he, like, no disrespect to Denzel, more love for him, is never-ending, but is he not, no, is he not a bit old in the tooth now to be running around as the Equalizer? I do, I often think this about people who are in action films. You... I don't know, because kind of the, the point of the Equalizer is that He's an older, more unassuming guy who is able there's to older. take... There's older and then there's old. I don't know. Uh, movies yeah, uh, and the magic, they can work. I know. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they make an Equalizer 3, I'll definitely be watching it. But that's... I don't know. It's just... I feel like you I, can trust when it's Washington and Fuqua together. It's kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll watch this one. Yeah, I mean, they are pretty much three. They are three for free. They're absolutely sensational. But I don't know. It's just... I, I, it's not. This isn't a thought that's specific to Denzel. I think it's about a lot of the action stars. At some point, you not not want to hang it up. Well, it, there doesn't seem to be enough coming through of the same caliber of uh, stardom, so they're always just going to keep wheeling these guys out. Maybe, maybe that's a good point. That's It'd be interesting point. for him because I know he likes doing a lot of the stunts and things himself. So perhaps when he can't do it anymore, he'll stop. But it may be that they tailor it in with the theme of the Equalizer, and it's less hand-to-hand combat, and it's more. Things like when he's in uh, the DIY store and he's getting nail guns and all sorts. Yeah, very possibly. They, they do have options, I will grant you that. But, you know, just just think at some point, just yeah. <laughs> let sleeping dogs lie. Uh, Tom Hanks trashes the Da Vinci Code movies as commercial hooey. And I read that in his voice when I saw that. Um, he says that there is room in the industry for good films created for the sole purpose of financial gain but the films must at least be good. And he says his Robert Langdon films couldn't even reach that level of quality. He, fucking, he agreed to do three of them. I was, yeah. He said they got gradually worse. Isn't, don't you really like the second one? I quite like the second one, yeah, but I actually quite like it for the reason of it is, I can see it's clearly been made for money. He, he His issue is, when it's a film based around history, then the history should be accurate, and it's not. And but isn't that that's that's the book, though? No. Yeah, and he has an issue with, um, kind of like treasure hunting films 
that present themselves as being overly complex when it's okay if i now shine this under a light all the three places are in the shape of a cross but again that feels like it's not a da vinci code issue it's more of a (laughs) that theme of movies yeah uh, i don't know i do love tom hanks but i don't know i think he's 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 coming he comes off poor there um Joker 2 has been confirmed and Lady Gaga is in early talks to join the film that is reportedly a musical. This, uh, someone, I read something yesterday on Twitter that made me chuckle that basically said this is the most chaotic sequel ever. (laughs) Everyone who wanted a sequel is now upset. Everyone who didn't is now excited to see a musical. It's it's weird, isn't it? I keep I kind of keep just waiting for them to confirm this is just a hoax and being like, yeah, you just shouldn't read everything you see on the internet. But yeah, yeah, yeah I get that. I don't know. It it it's a strange turn if that's the way they go. But Todd Phillips is an odd guy. Todd Phillips is an odd guy. But I don't I don't know, mate. I just I got no idea what was. Oh fuck! It. I, I can't get my head around it. I oh. I'll be honest. I'm in the. I'm in the position wherein I didn't like the first one enough to see a sequel. You'd watch it though. I don't think I would, you know. I mean, I watched Jurassic Park, uh, the new Jurassic Park yesterday. There's a sequel you don't need to see. Um, I, I, I don't think I would. I, 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 I cast your, cast your mind a little bit back to when we did the Joker on the pod. I was, uh, shall we say, less than impressed. I feel like a, a film of that magnitude, when the conversation will be as it is around it, you'd probably almost watch it just to see what the talk is about, or the majority would. I would still watch it even if it's a musical, and I would moan that oh, yeah, it's a no, musical. I, I, I'm not, I'm not denying it solely on the basis of musical. I think it's an un- unnecessary musical, yeah. <laughs> but it's not because oh, it's a musical. I'm not watching. Oh, it's a musical theater, musical theater, musical cinema. If it's good, is is good. But I just think it's unnecessary i think a sequel is as a as a concept in all is unnecessary with that film that is that we're talking that is tom hanks being bang on the money about it being a money grab well something that may be more confusing the night this the title of the knives out sequel has been confirmed as glass onion that is a sequel i very much want to see yeah yeah i've, I've yet to hear anyone that dislikes that film benoit blanc Unbelievable. Damn shame there'll be no uh, Anna Diarmas in there. That is true. But... It's a real testament to how fit I think she is. That <laughs> I've seen it's been confirmed that her like uh, Marilyn Monroe uh, biopic's been confirmed to be like two hours forty six minutes long. As part of me, like, do I watch it? You will watch it. Well, yes. I didn't watch her last one where she's basically just whoring herself around because That's essentially great. everything that was the selling point of that film for a lot of people was on social media before the film was even released. Um, I wasn't even going to say not to sound piggish there because there was no way to say that without it sounding I, piggish. I was so. just going to say, over the last couple of weeks, <laughs> more and more of a pig. Well, the phrase whoring the the herself out was probably where you should have drew well, that's basically what That's basically what her character is in the film. Yeah, but you phrased it nice in that, didn't you? No. I don't think she's a nice character. I mean, I'm not seeing the film to so know, but... No, there you go. Again. You do you. You're in charge. I'm just... Oh, I'm just here for the ride. All right, let's get into our first film of the day, and that is Ace Ventura, 
pet detective. I'm looking for Ray Finkel and a clean pair of shorts. A is for action. C is for crime fighter. E is for excitement. Yes, yes, yes! Now, there's a new way to spell hero. Don't kill me! Jim Carrey is... Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. So, a goofy detective specializing in animals goes in search of the missing mascot of the Miami Dolphins. I assume you had seen this one before. Yeah, probably about seven times. Blimey. Yeah, I've seen this one a lot. I did not expect that. Really? No. Well, I guess I know you're like Dumb and Dumber, but if I was to as impossible as it is, if I had to create like an equation to work yeah. out like the type of comedy you would like, yeah. I would have Jim Carrey comedy as about the complete opposite. See, in this day and age, it possibly would be, but both this and Dumb and actually no, not sorry. I was going to say both this and Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is actually just a fantastically funny film. D- Dumb and Dumber is sensational. I would put that on now, and I will still laugh. Ace Ventura is one of the first DVDs I ever owned. It's true, a lot of that I that I I ever owned, um, and I think that's part of. Do you remember when I used to make DVDs and it didn't have like anything printed? It was just like the yeah. silver. And it just had Ace Ventura on it. it. Looked like an old, like really old. This is probably about two thousand and one ish, two thousand and two. We used to have it, but when I was looking back and I think of Ace Ventura, I think we may have only had the sequel. Oh, uh, nature. Like, I can only think of him like covered in like clay or rhino shit or whatever it is the whole way through, and I can think of him kind of crawling out of the rhino's ass, and that's basically what I think of with his hair in like uh, a big spike. I've no, I don't think I've watched the second one the full way through, but the, which is strange considering how much I, when I was a kid, I enjoyed the first one. I think I, just the second one sort of just got lost in in the mire. But yeah, yeah, just I've seen this film an awful lot. Probably I hadn't watched it for maybe about twelve years. This for us completes the Jim Carrey nineteen ninety four masterclass, really, because we've done Dumb and Dumber, we've done The Mask. Yeah. And we've done this, so I think we've actually done them in reverse order. So, yeah. What do you think the critics thought of this? No good. The surprisingly enjoyable family con- family comedy that catapulted Jim Carrey to fame and fortune as the most popular funny man of the 1990s. Replete with rude noises, pathetic table manners, and bathroom jokes that would discredit a second grader. Ace Ventura is an endeavour that all concerned should admit from their resumes. Put a leash on Ace Ventura Pet Detective and call it a dog. This farcical comedy show this farcical comedy showcase for funny man Jim Carrey trots through virtually every lowbrow laugh getter imaginable, short of hiking its leg over a fire hydrant. It's well written, though. <laughs> it's a one-man show that definitely doesn't need to be toned down so much as its skits need to be better embellished and decorated. It's certainly uncouth and occasionally offensive, but it's also brimming with energy, moderately inventive and sometimes even funny. The 
director Tom Shadyak spoke after this and he actually addressed the critics somewhat and he said, I don't know what they were expecting. Like he saw a lot of the negative reviews and said, I don't know what they went and sat down into this film thinking they were going to watch. Because if you look at what we promised and what we delivered, it probably it's is not as close a match time. as you yeah. could find. Yeah, I, and that's fine. Like, we've said it. We've said it so many times. I think we're, I do maintain we might be the biggest advocates for it is what it is. Yeah. In the world, like in this, in anyone who talks about films, like we don't criticize. We know as soon as we realize what something's trying to be, if that's what it does, then whether we like it or not, cool. That you've done what you set out to do, and that's a very, it's a very fair point. The film's called fucking Ace Ventura Detective. <laughs> like, you can't be expecting Citizen Kane. It, it feels very similar to me as uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Mm. Yeah, where they've, they've realized taking a guy from TV. Yeah, well, even then, it's like different stages of their career. Like, that's Eddie Murphy, like, Eddie Murphy, biggest star in the world. This is Jim Carrey, right? Like, he's not even in the first, like, five or six choices for this role. But effectively, early on, they realize what they have and then say, this is a Jim Carrey movie. We're going to live and die by Jim Carrey and just let him do what the hell he wants. They say... They say like halfway through filming, they realize this could be the end of us if this doesn't resonate with people because it's either really going to resonate with them or people are just going to be saying this is the worst film they've ever seen. But rather than scale it back, they were like, well, we've come this far. We may as well lean into it now and just go all in. I like that. I like that attitude. Look, we're here now. We might as well. We might as well see it. See it well, through. They, they couldn't quite get the tone right. And they had a lot of rewrites. Originally, they were going to do a kind of black comedy. And even up until Jim Carrey's there, they were still going to try and go for a lot of uh, dark humor. And they were going to have like the end scene where the uh, pulley gets kind of swung round and it takes the two guys out, but it cuts away. You were going to see them get decapitated. You were going to see the, these uh, these pigeons pick a man apart in his car. And they said, when you have that, it's so hard to go back to like Jim Carrey style of comedy. Like it, it doesn't balance well at all. No, I get that. Uh, so first of all, they were going to go with a dark comedy side and they were going to have the detective as being quite dumb. And one of the things Jim Carrey said when he came on was that it's actually a lot funnier if the guy, despite all of these flaws, is good at his job. Like also, yeah. he does get the job done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That was something they had. Alan Rickman was considered for the lead role ahead of Jim Carrey. Fuck, I think that would have been a mistake. There's there's, there's a lot like that as well. Um, I saw that Adam Sandler was briefly considered. It felt like one that was very, a very loose link to me. But even just when you look at those three, you can see they didn't really know what direction they were going in. Yeah. No, I get that. I do. I just think Alan Rickman, I just doesn't don't think quite gets the job done. I think if you wanted Alan Rickman, I think you would. I I would have wanted the dark comedy at that point. Yeah, well, I, I think it's like a, a blender blending with sports here. Arsenal's transfer targets this summer, strikers wise, the two main links have been Gabriel Jesus and uh, Skamaka from Sassuolo. Skamaka's about six foot four, 
and Jesus it would be one of the smaller strikers in the league. And yeah. so it's basically we'll, we'll take the best guy we can get and then we'll work from there. Mm. And it seems that's what they've done here. And just by giving Jim Carrey the keys, obviously it's paid off. They say with no word of a lie, uh, Shadyak says that he had 150 scripts on his desk within a month of this film premiering. And he says, if I had that many, Jim definitely had more. Mm. What did, uh, do you know what the director did afterwards? It's not a name I recognise. Um, he, right, do, he doesn't do much. He he's worked with Jim Carrey after that. Um, I think it I think it's him that does Bruce Ventura, isn't it? Bruce Almighty. Uh, yes, it. Yeah, sorry, I'd say Bruce Ventura. Yeah. He does uh, Ace Ventura, The Nutty Professor. Ooh. Again, very. There's a probably some parallels you can make between this and the Nutty yeah. Professor. Bruce and Ever. Sorry. That is just giving Eddie Murphy the keys and be like, "Here you go, son." Well, that's pretty much what he's done. He's done Ace Ventura, Nutty Professor, Liar Liar, Patch Adams, Dragonfly, Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty. And his last one was a film called Brian Banks in 2018. Mm, I think Evan Almighty probably did him, probably didn't do him a lot of favours. No, because that's when he's been given the biggest budget as well. Yeah. And before that, he's pretty much smashed everything out of the park. Yeah, Patch Adams, people love. I've never seen it, to be honest. Oh, but Ace Ventura to Nate Professor to Liar Liar is like back to back to back. That's a three-peat. Yeah, yeah, he does. He's doing bits there. Um, Rebecca Ferrati is a name I'm sure you don't recognise, but if I tell you Ace Ventura's first client in this film, then I'm sure you'll know what I'm speaking about. Hmm. So she was brought on. The director had no clue who she was. Uh, she's actually a, a current Playboy playmate at the time. She has the role and she's just a client of uh, Ace Ventura. It was Jim Carrey's idea. He approached the director and had the idea for it to take the direction that it did. What a surprise, though. <laughs> yeah. That is because, really that is really looking at just trying to maximise your opportunities. Because when you think of Ace Ventura, you think of it as almost like a family film, don't you? That's the impression yeah. you get from a Jim Carrey comedy. And he's exchanging his services for head in like mm. the first ten minutes of the film. Yeah. I'd I'd forgotten almost anything. Like I say, it may even been a doubt that I've seen this before and I may have just seen the sequel. I, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I knew what the ending of this was, and so I know that there's certain things that don't age well. I didn't expect him to be bartering with sexual favours for his uh, for his work. If you get a Playboy playmate, what you got to do, what you got to do. I mean, he literally did what he had to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, approached the director and uh, had a word. Something I thought was very interesting with this was... Tom Shadyak says that he's always looking at the absolute maximum that he can cut out of his films to keep the pace going. And when you look at this, this is an hour and 26 minutes long with the credits included. It's quick. Yeah, he says, when in doubt, leave it out. And that's his attitude towards comedy. So he says that his director's cut of Ace Ventura is actually shorter than what was shown in theatres. So when you compare that to what we get now, 
And within 10 years, Anchorman's coming out. And that's where their style of comedy is basically just leave the cameras rolling and we'll go until we've got no jokes left. And some yeah. scenes then are five, six minutes longer than they were probably planned to be because you've got a punchline to end that seven minutes, but you need the previous seven minutes to justify the final punchline. Yeah. Anchorman, they were quite strict with by the fact they could have got a whole other film out of it, but there's a theme, isn't there, with Will Ferrell and Apatow as it goes on that you just let those scenes play out longer and longer and longer. Yeah. He... His style of directing then could probably be fantastic for someone like that. Because yeah. you're probably just going to have all hits, no misses. If you just imagine a Will Ferrell in his prime comedy, hour 26 minutes long, it's just going to be, well, you're, you're not going to be able to recover from one punchline to the next. But that has its own drawbacks, mate. Yeah, for sure. It's just an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, I get what you're saying. If you've got so many, if you've just got punchline, 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 the criticism is going to be there's no story. Or if you are are just moving from one to another, I think they get lost. I think that's why some of the quotables in Anchorman work so well and they're so memorable. Some of it's to build up. Some of them are, they are just quick. Yeah. off, off Off the cuff, but... They should have let him do a director's cut of the second one. Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. The second one is what it is. Again, that is that was ultimately just they will pay us an extortion. <laughs> yeah. And they held out for as long as possible. Just anyone got anything else going on? Yeah. All right. Press the button. We'll do Anchorman two. Yeah. That was just the money that was being thrown around there was just wild. And you just like you. Know, you got to say you got got let. Sometimes you just got to take it. Yeah. Among. Jim Carrey, who's not a star yet at this point, the only other real recognisable face now is Courtney Cox. Who, by the way, I don't like. What I don't like, I don't. It's a '94. This is like Friends starting as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a story where, and I imagine. I mean, I don't like listening to the podcast back. You say that that you don't. Jennifer Aniston tells a story where she says she was like excited for a friend and she picked up a copy of the video to bring round and watch with her and she refused to let her put it on because she was just so embarrassed by the film and just could not watch it back. She didn't say she hated the film, just it's one of those she did not want to be seeing herself back on. But mm. she, yeah, she's a big name to be in this at the time. Yeah, I, again, I, I will take your word for that. I didn't, don't know. I don't know. Oh, you're the best she's looked. I don't, don't know if she's done Scream or anything by the, by this point. Uh, fair point. Um, I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not too sure. I don't know where they, where they called her from. She's at least, when you watch it back now, she's a recognisable face uh, yes. for anyone tuning yeah. in. Yeah, absolutely. Jim Carrey, now, <laughs> we've said about living and dying by his ideas. It was his idea to rip off Sean Young's clothes to reveal her bra and underwear at the end of the film. It's not looking great in this, is it? That, and we can we can speak about that now. If anything's aged poorly in the film, and we've spoken about a lot of comedy films, a lot of films just in general, where we've gone, oh, that hasn't aged well. I think this is probably aged the worst of anything we've done, the ending. Maybe. I'd, I mean, even my... the build-up, the fact that You've got someone that 
is trans and so they've been put into a mental facility and he checks himself in just to try and get in the mind of that and then he comes out and he's revealing someone as being trans and the reveal is the fact that you can see him tucked in from the back yeah I don't know if you want to say it or I'm going to say it no go on the length there (laughs) for you to be getting that bulge from the back Yeah, he's a very valid point. The director um, said, if I told you, you would not believe the amount of time we took looking at prosthetic penises. He said it's a far more se- far more serious job than you would ever believe. And it feels like after maybe a couple of hours, they'll just give us the biggest you've got. Yeah, just chuck it in. <laughs> and we'll, we'll do what we're going to do with it. It's, it um, looks, the shape, I mean, it, I mean I've, this is film analysis here. It looks it like looked, you once got piles on. It looks like um, what they used for the tail for Dudley in the first Harry Potter film. Yeah, it looks like you once suffering from piles on. <laughs> like it's, it's, a, it's an odd one. I, I don't know. The thing is about, I, I don't know. Like some stuff does age badly. You can see how. I just don't understand how this was ever good. Like, well, do you know what I mean? Like, there was controversy them, at the time. Yeah, and that I completely understand. Like, but the controversy wasn't even of the ripping the clothes off. The controversy was everyone being sick because they've kissed this woman. Yes, I know. And like, the fact that he's drinking out the toilet to to do so. Yeah, I just like I just I don't know. I I don't think it would have been that controversial. I think there probably would have been a couple of things picked up. Not like but you have the standard like activist groups of the headline. Yeah, and in the back of that scene, by the way, <laughs> there's a woman that's throwing up as well. So yeah, she, she's so she's being misled and thinking that, uh, yeah, it's just I I don't know, man. Like, I just I I, I think about it, and it's someone described it once uh, as like on a TV. It's actually weirdly in, in a Brooklyn Nine Nine thing. They talk about Ace Ventura. It's like yeah, it only gets mildly transphobic at the end, and I'm like mildly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 overtly, um, but it's just. Well, I don't know. Me, I don't know how you. I don't know how this one flew. Me and TK uh, did Basic Instinct the other week, mm. and there were a lot. Of, there were a lot of complaints there for how uh, bisexual people were portrayed in that film, and yes. it was Roger Ebert, and he said, "Look, I can kind of see what you're saying, but no sex is really portrayed particularly well in this film. Like, it doesn't feel like one's been singled out more than the other." Yeah, this is quite the opposite. This yes. is everyone is having a laugh at one particular person's expense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it just, I, I get you, geez, you get away with rightly or wrongly. I, you and I don't need to. We're not going to debate the, the virtues and no. downfall of comedy again. But there are some things you think, how on earth do you, did you get away with that, regardless of when it was? I think it's one of them at the time, and I mean, it's not. It's a funny scene. Yeah. And effectively, if you make something funny enough, people are going to defend the joke. As long, in Hollywood, as long as you have at least plausible deniability that, look, I was trying to make a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I think now, if you discuss this, there will be some right-wing people that will take the fact that the animal is called Snowflake 
and they'll be having a whale of a time seeing why are people getting worked up about this. Yeah, very possibly, but it's I don't know. It again, it, it is what it is. It was what it was, but it's not a great. It's it's not a great look. I wonder if Jim Carrey, the fucking quasi politician that he is these days, I I I wonder what his take on it is now. I I don't know. I think, and I think we did it when we did the mask, maybe where we mm. spoke about some of the lawsuits that he'd gone through. Where he uh, he kind of feels like he's been targeted by everyone previously, so I think he'd probably take offence to it more than he would front up to it. Say that again, mate. I think he would be more defensive than he would be apologetic. Maybe. Uh, yes, do, I, do don't, I, I don't. Oh, sorry, I don't think I. I think he would be defensive. Yes, sorry, you are. I'm not. I'm not trying to draw draw you into to say anything you shouldn't say it is it was 1994 an excuse because times were very different it's not like you're making the same joke now people can grow people can like realizations are different this was a funny joke in 1994 i feel like you can't hold it against someone for a joke they made then i think that i do you mean in general? Do you mean this specific joke? Because I, I do. That I is, think that is a defence that people use. That is a defence that think, people yeah. use all the time. But I think there there needs to be some context applied. I think you can apologise now, but you can't. I don't even know really what I'm saying. I think it, it's just weird if you go back that far. If he's making the same joke now, fair enough. Yeah, I, I suppose it depends. It depends on how hard you how hard you're looking. Like you see certain things with like certain celebs now, and they get fucking slaughtered for things they say ten years ago, and you're like, you, you, you've had to go and fight, you've had to actively go and find that. The the trivia and of it, it, I think it depends on it does depend on your own stance and how you feel about the, the issue. Is a lot of it because it is it is subjective. Any like anyone being offended by anything is subjective. What upsets you could be wholly different. I think between you and I, it would be somewhat similar yeah. as we, we as we get along and we have fairly similar personalities. But it, it, to everyone, what to if we're two random people, a joke could could hit me and I'd be like, "Fuck, nah, bang out of order." You could think it's incredibly funny, and and vice versa. So it, 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 it the judgment of I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain because for me, it's a very the, it's a very, it's a very touchy subject. The trivia of feels very convenient that's been and it's one of the latter pieces of trivia on the list by the way which means it's been added more recently than anything else of by the way this was absolutely jim carrey's idea just to be clear this ending was jim carrey's idea and that feels to me like it's uh over time at least perhaps the storyboarding of that scene has, has been turned around where i'm sure there were multiple collaborators yeah no, no, because you have a room full of people pretending to be sick. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, 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 I get that. Um, it's, 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 it's an odd one. It really is. Um, the, the other parts of the film, then. So you have, and uh, to whether you think they did it well or not, Shadyak, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right the whole time. He said that. It needed to be enough of a mystery 
but it wasn't dull. You needed to have a reason to actually have to follow what was going on, but you couldn't have it too complicated to the point where that was overriding the humor. Say again, sorry if I'm trying to. He effectively said you had to have it at the maximum level of complication in terms of the plot to where it wouldn't yet detract from the from the humor and the comedy the comedy was number one but the plot just needed to be complicated enough that it wasn't completely predictable and you did have to pay attention um i i i get his point however i do think as with any film as with any film like this the plot is somewhat fucking lost in it you're waiting for ace ventura you're waiting for jim carrey to do the next stupid thing he's going to do or say the next stupid thing he's going to do, and that, that's that's much more where it lives and dies on. He is just a rolling punchline in this film. Yeah. Um. The start of the film. What do you think of the intro? It's it's quite a long, <laughs> drawn out intro of him with this package where he's smashing it against the wall. Yeah. Ten thousand times just to get up to the building and then take the dog. It's interesting that. We know that he's the titular character at this point. So we have some assumption that he's the good guy because we don't see that that dog was missing right until the end of that chase. Yeah. Up until then, or as far as we know, he's seen he's a dog just, that he yeah. likes in an apartment and he's picked yeah. it up. He's just he's just a thief, yeah. Um, I always liked the intro. I always did uh, just him lashing, lashing those packages about and stuff that used to make me make me laugh. Very easy physical comedy. Yeah, he, he he's good. And then very quickly you get the kind of plot of the mascot's gone missing. He's doing his detective work. Everyone thinks he's weird. Is the is is the key thing they're really driving home. A bit in the swimming pool used to fucking break there. <laughs> I can't do it, Captain. I I enjoyed the if I'm not back in five minutes, wait for me. I'll be another five minutes. Yeah, I did always it did always used to like that. Just uh, the other bit about you know ultimately he's good at his job is he turns on he, he he turns on he turns this case on its head essentially on the basis of a gemstone that is I don't know fucking like a breadcrumb big. Yeah. It's oh yeah, but this is this. Oh right, cool. Like it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be moronic, but yeah, he he, ping, he he pings that out in four seconds flat. It's very good, and then shortly after, maybe maybe even before, we have him going into the police station where they all laugh at him. They laugh that he's a pet detective. Something I was going to mention actually, he wasn't always a pet detective. It was just going to be a standard detective movie at first. And then the screenwriter happened to see a, a documentary where they mentioned pet detectives, so they just thought it was a funny concept. So, oh, what just... shit! Pet detectives are a real thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I genuinely thought it like I actually thought they'd just done this for the fun. Oh, Jim Carrey went to meet some beforehand, and I bet, I bet they are a weird bunch. Or to go into the kind of weird guy that he is, on the basis of he said he needed it for his work. He went out for dinner with Anthony Hopkins to prepare for this role because he said he saw a lot of Hannibal Lecter in Ace Ventura. Uh, weirdly, I understand what he means. 
he said the creepiest thing was the more he was speaking about it, the more he saw Anthony Hopkins slowly turning into Hannibal Lecter while they were having dinner. I sort of feel like Jim Carrey has just, someone's told him that's a possibility. Well, he's asked, how does that even come about? Does he raise it? Does someone else raise it? Because if someone else raised it, I'm like, oh, look, Joe, do you want to go out to dinner with Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like Anthony Hopkins is kind of like, what are you doing tonight? Going out to Jim Carrey? Is that? Oh, it's for free meal at the end of the day. What am I going to do? Turn it down? I'll go and hear what the guy has to say. He seems like such a great guy. He just like, <laughs> just like, he just paints these days. He's just, he just seems like such a great dude. Goes on stage a bit. Occasionally does film. Just does a lot of painting. It's just. He's I was going to ask if you'd seen his social media. Who, Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. No, why? It's pretty much just that. It's just him painting and just mocking politicians and anything yeah, else did. he fancies. Yeah, he, he was from, from a town in Wales. He's very much to, he would His family and I imagine his social circle when he was young were very much a, were, were very labour-driven. Yeah. That's like Wales to live. You've got, when he comes into the police station, this back and forth where Men in Black style, the detective crushes the cockroach. Mm. And they're laughing, saying, how are you going to solve that one? And then you do get probably some of the best lines in the film. Talk about banging his wife and stuff. Which, by the way, again, family film. <laughs> Which is first to establish a motive. In this case, the killer saw the size of the bug's dick and became insanely jealous. And it's like a playground. And everyone goes, oh. And he says, and then I'd lose 30 pounds. <laughs> Porking his wife, by the way. Yeah, it, it, uh, that that never ring that never sits well in the ear. <laughs> Just doesn't, does it? And then they kind of very, show very this very American phrase that. Yeah, they show this like physical strength from him to kind of manhandle him to the ground that we don't really see any time again for the whole film. Like yeah. at the end of the film, he's getting beaten up by someone that's very slight and he's able to take a guy down twice his size and just flip him with just ease. Yeah. Again, I don't, don't know how much that was thought about when they were trying to, were trying to shoot. He spots away a shark. He does. Yeah. He's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an odd one, but I do quite like the scene in the state, in the station. Yeah, it's good. Um, I think it's, uh, about a minute later where, the director says in the comedy that it's supposed to be giving you uh, some hindsight as to the rest of the film, as he says, Holy Testicle Tuesday. Jesus Christ. <laughs> again, pouring it. Yeah. I think it's all in the same scene where he goes into the toilet and comes out and he's like, dude, not go in there. And so you literally do have the mix of just all comedy just going right through it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fucking waste from the director, to be fair. Trying to claim that this film's fucking got foreshadowing in it is just <laughs> insane. I saw a tweet recently where I think it was something, it was about this uh, Crimes of Future Past film. You have you, that, have you seen that? film advertised called Crimes of Future Past by uh, David Cronenberg, I think it is. No, I haven't, no. So someone's done a, a tweet, and they basically have a list of everything he said the film is during the press tour. Mm. And everything is just wildly different. And each time he said, like, this was the primary focus for the film, and it's just nonsense. 
as someone said, literally half of the role of just being a creative now is just being able to bullshit about what your film is in the hope that it just convinces one more person to go and see it. Uh, I actually think that's been the case since press tours were invented. I don't think that's, I don't think that's now. I think that's always been the case. If you're trying to, I think that's in fact, it's been the case since you were trying to promote anything. Your, no, your I guess end. we see it more now. Like previously, yeah. you, you would have had to read an article, article yeah. or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think the I don't think the world's changed any. It's just the information. The only change is that the information is more easily accessible. It's it's just and it, that that probably puts some more emphasis. So maybe maybe there is a change. Probably puts some more emphasis on you having to be good at it because, like it or not, more people are probably going to see it. But. That's the aim of promotion. Unless you're, unless you can honestly say your demographic is women who are twenty-five, for example, women between the ages of twenty-five and thirty. Your goal is to get as many people through the door as fucking possible. Yeah. Do you, Do you think this is just separate? I've just thought of it. Then. Do you think when they initially had the script, they had this kind of uh, couple of Jim Carrey and Courtney Cox or is it essentially these are the two main characters these are the two best looking people on screen they should couple up because there's really no basis behind it she goes from disliking him thinking he's weird disgusting and all of these things that are completely accurate but he's a good copper and then just out, out, out of the blue she's prepared to jump into bed with him uh, and oh, you, you make me self conscious about the words I would use it in <laughs> Uh, and uh, no, have a love scene worried. in, well, in front of. Well, I was going to say get which felt a bit strong. In front of it was piggish to get <laughs> have that done to you in front of about forty animals. Which the only thing in the trivia they say that because while this scene was going on was going on the animals were just going mental. She says that the squirrel would try and just jump on their back and then that would just take the next animal to try and jump after the squirrel. And they actually had to chain every animal down just to get this shot. Just use a a fake one at some point. They said it took a whole day. Yeah, just go and get a fucking cuddly toy of a squirrel or some bonnet for it and just throw it in. It's not. Well, I don't. I mean, that could just be Jim Carrey's antics, as we've seen previously in the film. He just wanted a day in bed with Courtney Cox, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. Another one where the director claims he was foreshadowing <laughs> is when Lieutenant Einhorn kisses Ace Ventura after his Ray Finkel theory, and yeah. Ace says, "Your gun is digging into my hip." <laughs> oh, I actually think that's just. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually just think that's a good joke regardless. <laughs> that is actually just quite funny. He said he was trying to give the view- <laughs> give the viewers a sense where they could turn to someone and say, you know, I think I know what the answer is here. Funnily enough, no one has ever watched that scene for the first time and been like, yeah, that's a bloke. Like, <laughs> <laughs> tell you what, yeah, Sean Young, yeah, I don't know, that's actually just a fella. Like, fuck off, will you? But, <laughs> the, the, like, even <laughs> once you know, once you know the end, when you think about that joke, that is actually just very funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, even at, at the time, that's been a joke for as long as you can remember. Of the, is that something in yeah. your pocket, or are you pleased to see me? I can't remember what film it is, oh, or what TV show it is. But there's, oh fuck, 
Oh, it's going to really annoy me now. Um, oh, actually, I do know what it is. It was something that um, it was something that Rowan Atkinson did called many years. I called the thin blue line. That, uh, girl, the girl says to a bloke, he, he says, he says to a fellow, he's like, oh, is that, is that like, is that a, a Mars bar in your pocket with you, chappy to see me? And the kid, he pulls out a Mars bar and goes, oh, so it's both actually. <laughs> Genuinely, just used to, it used to crack me up. Man. He used to, he used to take it very, very funny. But yeah, you are right. It's a very simple joke, but it is always funny. Yeah. Um, is Dan Marino going in the Rex Ryan? Yes. One of the first of uh, of the season. Mm, do you like Dan Marino? I'd like to, to know, one, how much they were paid for this. Yeah. And two, what the sell was, because supposedly Jim Carrey was the one that convinced Dan Marino to do it. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe you should like, look, look, big man, you ain't got a ring. Let's do something people will remember you by. Maybe that's what he said, his <laughs> attempt at selling it. Because I don't really know. Because there's no other like tie-in to the Dolphins. Like, there's not really any, like no like footage-wise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They could have done it as a mass marketing thing, like just like the shots, just having constantly having like Dolphin stuff in the background. But there's a little bit of it, but it's not. Loads and loads, is there? No, no. They uh... sort of got that if then the team were pushing and be like, bamboo is favour, sort of like give it a whirl for us. But there's just not. And I don't really know putting there just battering that chewing but the FC makes me laugh so much. Well, I think to, with how immature the film is, the thing that actually made me laugh most in the whole thing is when he's bending over and talking out of his ass. <laughs> And supposedly the origin of that is when he was doing some writing with uh, Marlon Wayans yeah. and he wouldn't listen to him. So he bent over and started speaking to him like that. And Marlon told him to step outside, basically. Nice. And they had to have a conversation outside and come back in and pretend nothing had happened. But he says that's that's where it came from. I'm aware it's just offering to open him up. Yeah. Uh, something we've seen in other movies as well, and Jim Carrey's definitely done it quite clearly in, in The Mask, he's doing it the whole time. He's determined to to make these catchphrases. Yeah. Uh, he really wants to influence kind of pop culture. And so, alrighty then, isn't in the script at all. Yet yeah. they say he tried to add it onto the end of every single line in the script. Yeah, he, yeah, he definitely does it in the mask. He actually does it in a certain extent. I think he does it in a, to a certain extent in a in Dumb and Dumber as well, like some of the improv, the improv bits. Yeah, the he keeps doing the La Hooser thing as well when he's mm. doing that. He says that a couple of times. His laugh actually makes me laugh as much as anything as well. Yeah, the little <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't do it, but you know. No, no, the very few people can. Yeah. Very good. What is your favourite scene or moment in the whole film? Um, so there's a couple. I do like, like the bit in the police station is very, very good. Him and Dan Marino in the car at the end does crack me up. Um, it does always make me laugh. Again, the bit in the swimming pool where he's just chatting, chatting absolute bollocks to himself for about three minutes is <laughs> great. Might even be the swimming pool, you know. I was just reading back through some of the quotes. 
what would you know about pressure? Well, I have kissed a man. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? <laughs> don't know. Laces out always kills me when they think I was just going, just going wild about Marina. Just uh, yeah. when she bakes the cookies, it's like, yeah, laces out. I'm so sorry, Mr. Ace. I'll have the plumbing checked immediately. Well, I hope so. I've been drinking out of the toilet. I might have been killed. His thing of just going off for a shit in that scene is very good as well. Yeah. They, it, like, it is. It, there are some, some very good quotes in it. Yeah, I'll just have a look through. Um, shall we move on to our next film? Yeah, why not? Okay then, 22 Jump Street. Tired of the same old summer movies? Oh, I just want to get in bed and watch Friends all day. Then see the number one movie in America. Critics say heartbreaking and hilarious. You guys missed. We got the thumb part. 22 Jump Street, rated R. After making their way through high school twice, big changes are in store for officers Schmidt and Jenko when they go deep undercover at a local college. What do you think the critics thought of this? I don't think... How do I, how do I phrase this? I, try, I, I know the context I'm trying to convey, but I can't... don't think they would have liked it. Maybe they would have. Do you know the, like, the whole meta breaking the fourth wall thing? Yeah. I don't think they would have liked that it's essentially the same film, even though that's exactly what they were trying to do. <laughs> but I'll let you I know. Might be wrong. 22 Jump Street is hugely successful in retaining and in many instances improving upon the qualities of its predecessor and pitching some jokes that will have people still chuckling for days afterwards. Tatum and Hill share remarkably good chemistry and both fall back into their respective roles of lovable if slightly dim jock and self-conscious nerd with ease. Proving that sometimes a second helping is nearly as satisfying as the first, 22 Jump Street doesn't stray far from the formula that made 21 Jump Street a success and takes pride in providing more of the same. 22 Jump Street transcends the expectation of the Hollywood sequel by picking it apart bit by bit and then reassembling it into something new but familiar. And finally, full of inside jokes, hey we're making a sequel and fantastic performances, 22 Jump Street is everything you want in a sequel and more. Do you like the sequel? Yeah, I do. I'll put you on the spot early. Do you think it's better than the first one? Yes or no? Better? I don't know. Does this make sense? I don't know if it's better than the first one, but I actually think I prefer it. I think I prefer it as well. I love that, like, probably more than I should, because it's not even, it is, it is quite imaginative. But the crack when they're going throughout the hole and they're like, yeah, it's just exactly the same. It kills me. <laughs> like every, this is like the first yeah. time I've seen this, man. It makes me laugh every time. When they're just looking at the camera and it's like, yeah, no, it's exactly the same. Yeah, we got it. You have the news report, don't you? And it says, it's literally the exact same case as we dealt with last year. Yeah. The exact same case. Yeah. And I, I, I do, I think it's brilliant. It's very, very funny. And I do think a lot of that comes down to Jonah Hill and Channing uh, Tatum. Well, they say I, what... I would say that I don't. Know, I do like Dave Franco in the first one, but and Rob Riggle, Rob, Rob Riggle, my guy. Oh, one day we will interview Rob Riggle. <laughs> um, but 
it's just like I do really like the supporting cast in this as well. The guy uh, who plays the dad in it is, is in uh, Bad Boys Two. They they say that one of the real difference makers between the first and second film is Gillian Bell, and they almost didn't know what they had until they had her on the set. They say one of the first films that they seen was the kind of morning after scene, yeah, where Jonah Hill and her go back and forth. Yeah, sensational. They say it's the first time that they'd ever seen Jonah Hill on his heels on the set. Mm. And Jonah said, it's like she thinks about what I'm going to say before I say it and says it better and funnier than I was. She's great, man. She's very, very, very funny. This is, well, you definitely like The Night Before, but you're not going to watch that. And you definitely, and you definitely like your in-office Christmas party as well, but you're not going to watch that. Probably not. What's The Night Before? Uh, it's a Christmas one as well. Uh, probably not. No, That's the Seth Rogen one, right? Yeah, and, and office Christmas laughing. party, she plays a pimp. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. I think any <laughs> any time anyone uses the word pimp is slightly funny. A pimp who complains about everyday struggles. <laughs> See, that I think would be very, very funny. Um, is it a long scene? Uh, no, well, it's kind of a character, but no, the scene in which she complains uh, about yeah. that in particular. Um, yeah, I she she's. She's better than Dave Frank. She's better than the than Dave Franco in the first one, basically. Well, for all the comments about age, and maybe that's what makes it so funny. There's actually four months between her and Jonah Hill, mm. and for all the thirty jokes, she actually turned thirty while filming this. Nice. <laughs> Must be nice just be digging herself out at any given moment. <laughs> well, say the initial uh, fight between the two of them was improvised and captured in a single take. Um, across two cameras uh, when she moves in for a kiss and you watch it back you can actually see Jonah Hill break and he starts to laugh and he looks across to the directors who are just out of frame and he actually looks to them a few more times during the scene just because they're loving it so much and he can't really believe what's going on it's so good right it's so so funny <laughs> I watched the last 45 on my lunch break again today at my yeah. desk and when she keeps saying why are you leaning in yeah it's so <laughs> it good kills man. me every time <laughs> when he's just like you're so mean <laughs> oh, it's great one uh the drunk girl who gets on Channing tatum's shoulders during the fight scene she her name is uh mickey faccinello mm. she works as a stunt double for mila kunis Oh, fair enough. That's how she uh, got that role. She worked with Channing Tatum in Jupiter Landing, I think it was. I have no idea what that is. It's uh, some sci-fi film that I've not seen. I would have, I would have guessed that, yeah. but I wouldn't know what it was. And we almost didn't get the post credit scene that we do get. Mm, very good that as well, actually. They, they tested the film, and the original ending had Jenko and Schmidt basically saying look, I never want to have to do that again. And they yeah. said people enjoyed the film the whole time and then just left the cinema slightly depressed that you've just written off the fact that there's just never going to be a sequel for this. Mm. And so they went the opposite way. They wrapped up shooting, brought the two guys back just with a ton of outfit changes and just shot back to back to back to back and then brought in uh, Seth Rogen, Bill Hader and uh, Kristen Bell to jump in as well. Very easy when you know them. Sort of, they were like it starts just 
So that's all the same universe of actors, isn't it? Yeah. Just it just is. It's like the bit about Channing Tatum. The the fact that kills me most about him is in this is the end. Jonah Hill was just like, yeah, look, your fans coming down for a day. He's like, yeah, he like already agreed to it. And then when he got there, they were like, yeah, you're just gonna have to pay. Uh, you're gonna have to pay <laughs> Dan, Danny McBride's gimp. And he was like, yeah, alright, cool, I'll just do it. It's just shagging his leg. Shagging his leg was his idea as well. I'll actually send you after we finished here. I've started compiling a list of basically all of the comedies that we haven't done on here that we should do. Okay. It's quite a good little list. Some films that maybe you wouldn't have thought of. Um, you've not seen Blue Mountain State, have you? Yeah. Okay, so the uniform that they wear, the football players in this, is the Blue Mountain State uniform. Mm-hmm. I've seen, the exact same. I've seen all of the series. I've even seen The Rise of Fablon. Great show. Yes, it was, yeah coach of all the things that has come out of this film it's fair to say that the longest lasting has essentially been him about two minutes into the film saying my name's jeff <laughs> yes it is <laughs> my name's jeff that came oh. out uh, uh, like peak where facebook groups would just be made for like quotes just for people to like and my name's jeff was just one of them that was just being slapped about legitimately i think i've liked one of them yeah, I'm sure everyone did it. It used to happen after every in-betweeners episode. Mm. Just like every joke from the series. Yeah. We... Uh, Criticise is harsh. We spoke about The Hangover 2 and maybe a lack of creativity in playing it too safe almost, where they quite literally redid it. Do you think with this they have the balance well, as no, good as you're probably ever going to get? Yes. They... The Hangover remade it to because they didn't they didn't seem to have anything else to do. They have purposely remade this and chucked in. It, it's just a nod to the camera, like it's not even that like it's not that imaginative. But the way they do it as a concept, so it's not that imaginative. But the way that they do it, with the constant little ones, it's just it's just great. And then everything else, everything else becomes funnier. Like a scene that's almost identical to the first one is then funnier because you know they're doing it for that reason. Do you think the fact that Hangover 2 has come out and got that level of criticism perhaps helped? Like, they're almost able to play off that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember when Hangover 2 came out, so I don't know if, they, if it would have been fresh in their mind, for example. It's about two years prior, I believe. Mm, okay. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um... I don't know. It's just, it's one of them that it just, it for me, it just works. And it obviously worked for an awful lot of people, but I just, I do love the way it's done. Yeah, you've got almost like every box ticked. Like, you've got the kind of teen comedy, like drug, yeah. sex, jokes. You've got the cringy stuff, the stuff that almost like you want to look away from the screen when he's doing the improv class. Yeah. And he's doing... <laughs> Jesus cried, runaway bride, Julia Roberts, Julia Rob, hurts. Very good. And it seems like it should be a given, but the fact that Jonah Hill has seemingly got over an, a, a level of insecurity at this point when you look to interviews with him just a couple of years prior, him and Channing Tatum are just so in tune with what they're supposed to be in this film. Yeah. And they do it perfectly, just down to the mannerisms. And I know that should be expected from 
an actor, but sometimes in a comedy that can be slightly overlooked. But of course, yeah, yeah, like well, this is they like they used to, and it used to be said that comedy wasn't necessarily it wasn't wasn't necessarily acting. I was the ones never thought that was true. I mean, it's very hard. It's very difficult to make people laugh regardless because it's not just what you say. Delivery and timing is uh, uh, everything. They actually say comedy is tragedy plus timing, but it's whether it, they are very, very good. And maybe, I don't know, maybe just accepts a little bit more that this is sort of what he is. It's post-Wolf. Um, it, it's post-Moneyball. He's been and done some very big, serious stuff, and then he sort of falls back in, doesn't it? Yeah, because in the first film, they play on it in the way that Jonah Hill is the is the cool kid that he's not supposed to be, and Channing Tatum is yeah. the nerd that he's not supposed to be. So it's a return to what you expect in this one, and then they do still manage to play it away in that Jonah Hill's character if if not awkward, is more personable than the character would have him be. The yeah. fact that uh, it's probably a conscious decision, the fact we see him pick up a girl in this and, I mean, Channing Tatum does after he's just swung on around his head, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. yeah. And Channing Tatum's character, despite the look of everything, is ultimately unhappy when he yeah. does get what he thinks he should have. The scene that is most notable of the whole film is Schmidt having sex with the captain's daughter. Yeah. I think if I had to do like a top five and I wouldn't be able to do this now, but a top five of just scenes that have made me laugh the most, I think this would probably be in there. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't give you an answer because it seems it, it is such an obvious joke to make, but it plays into it what we know about Ice Cube and, and the character that he is in real life as well. But almost not making him act in the scene, just making him deadpan, works mm. so much better than you've got Channing Tatum, just OTT. Jonah Hill has gone like peak super bad in this in just the way he's squirming and just being like, I don't know, everything about it is perfect. It is very, very good. The see the dinner scene as well. When he, yeah, he's just talking about the beans, like talking about the green, the, the string beans and stuff. He's is also very, very good. Or he says, "His missus last he's under a lot of stress at work." He says, uh, "What does a black man have to do to get a drink of water over here?" It's <laughs> like you're not getting a drink of water. The man's been through enough. <laughs> it's very, very good fun. At the start, when he's saying. Um, he wouldn't care about the victim if it was white. He's like, I just want you to know. <laughs> I would care. <laughs> I would care equally, if, if not more. It's so funny. When 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 he's, he's bragging, it's like Brent-esque initially. He's like, I mean, one of us got laid last night. I won't say who it was. He's doing... We did missionary. <laughs> we did missionary. <laughs> we and did then, right on top. The callback... It, in the in the later scene when Jenka reveals he's like you dapped him up. <laughs> you actually dapped him up about the sex of your daughter. Oh man, so you know he told you every detail. <laughs> it's when um It's when he runs around the office one. Yeah. <laughs> High fiving people. Whoa. 
Oh, it's it's so good. Even the scene. It's when, that... it's when he sits back down and he's like, "Look, no, I'm okay. It's it's, <laughs> it's, it's not it's not that funny." The the scene um, after he slept with her and when he says, "I just want you to know, I'm I'm not a hit it and quit it type of guy. I'm actually a hit it and <laughs> continue to hit it, um, both physically and mentally <laughs> as well." Oh, so good. Because yeah, it can be dangerous different. when you've got the quotables in, like in the trailer, you have the we jump straight, we're about to jump in your ass. Yeah, you, you've got Jenko reacting to it, but you don't know what he's reacting to. And you've got so many good bits in there, it'd be so easy for them to just load that out, cash grab in. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do see a lot of films like that, mate, where everything funny is in the trailer just to just to grab your attention, and then the rest of it's a little bit of a letdown. But this is just electric, mate, to be fair. The directors as well, they, they put a lot of uh, pressure on the assistant screenwriters where they were doing the Lego movie at the same time, which for all the success this had, I've got to think the budget and what they were being paid for the Lego movie is probably double it at least. Yeah. Um, so they weren't able to authorize any script rewrites themselves. Mm. So going in, they put a lot more pressure onto the actors to do things themselves and take a bit more responsibility and I know Jonah Hill is one of the co-writers, so he quite liked the fact that he was able to do that and have that level of authority on there. And it could easily have got sidetracked when you have the success you have with the first one, but I don't know. For a, a one hour, 50 minutes, or like two hours, whatever it is, it doesn't feel like that to me. No, 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 no. It's very, very good. And it is very quick. It's, there's not a lot of lows in it. But that's the, but that's the thing. Like it's strange because we were, so I was saying earlier about punchline after punchline. This does have that. But I don't think it gets overrun. No, because I usually my notes. I'm a bit more okay. This happened and this infers this. I've basically just got little notes of just punchlines. You've punch just, just you've just sat and watched this, haven't you? Rather yeah, just the whole way down. I've just put like I wrote down the hit it and quit it one. Uh, <laughs> I wrote down when. He tells him he has to reach in his shorts for the grenade. And he tells him twice, that's my dick. And he says, why is it hard? And he's like, I'm just so full of adrenaline right now. And the biggest grin on his face. Yeah, it's just... It, it, I, yeah, this is very... You could just sit down and watch this. And just be... You'd just have a nice time. Yeah. Jo, jo, Jonah Hill pretended to bust in uh, the library. And he's like, oh my God, I'm just getting the best blowjob ever. Oh my God. So what else going on here? This is a this is a lot more rewatchable than the first one. Isn't it? Yeah, it's. I guess they try to put a bit more heart in the first one. Even in this yeah. one, when you have them breaking up, you have them coming back within about ten minutes, and both of them are just saying, "What a great time they're having." You've got yeah. him approaching the captain. He's just like, "Get the fuck out of my office." Jenko <laughs> uh, said. Do you want to do anything other than work out? What, what do you mean? And all of that in a second, you've got your bridge in the film, the little arc where they realise, no, we both need each other more. And then you're right back down to business. Yeah. Him not getting to drive the Lambo. Very Ice Cube is brilliant in this. Ice Cube is brilliant in this. Who do you think line for line is better in this film, Ice Cube or Gillian Bell? Gillian Bell. Does she do enough to steal the film? 
I don't know. It's a very tall order because Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum is very good in this, but Jonah Hill is also just sensational. Yeah. He is probably the funniest thing about it. Yeah, I agree. But then again, I suppose actually a lot of that does come down to his interactions with Gillian Bell. I, I want to see them do another film together at some point. Well, those two. Or yeah. Tatum. Yeah, I, I, I'd be down for that. I also, I'd like, I, I don't think they ever will, but I'd fucking love them just to make a third one. Yeah, well, even just the chemistry with these two mm. is so good. Yeah. Just just do 23 Jump Street. Like, just do more of this shit where you're like, I can't believe we're back again. Like, it's, that will still make me laugh. It's, it's, Dude, it's, like, go, give me the scene where he's rocking up to the captains for Thanksgiving or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, it's interesting. I, man, I want to see that. Because 2007 or, whether, or whenever Superbad comes out. Yeah, he's 07. Jonah Hill is the leading guy in that. I know McLovin is the main takeaway, but in terms of actors... I, if... still, dis- I still disagree with you on that point, by the way. What's that? that McLovin's the main takeaway. Well, McLovin, when people think of Superbad, it's usually I am McLovin is the main thing that gets quoted back to you. <laughs> yeah, it's not my... my, my, my... It's not my favourite thing about it. No, it's but... not even my favourite quote. I do think Seth is the main takeaway from that film by Country Mark. Well, there, there's, there's, there's someone at work who really likes the in-betweeners, but I mentioned Superbad, and they're like, what's that? So I've literally bought the DVD to bring in next week and be like, just go home and watch this. Uh, what, what age are they? 64. How the fuck do they like the in-betweeners? <laughs> who knows, but they're going to be watching Superbad. I'm going to insist on it. Okay. They might like it. I don't know. Like I, I, I imagine if it, I imagine they've got a, they've got a child basically the same age as us, which may tie in. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I'll probably still like that shit when I'm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what I was going to say was Jonah Hill is the main man early on, yeah, and then from there onwards, he's almost been happy to just do what's best for the film each time. Like there doesn't yeah. seem to be an ego with him. No, no. He seems like it just seems pretty solid to be honest with him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean it does a lot like charitably as well. He just does seem like just a great person, but Yeah, he seems pretty solid solid. He seems thing. like you know we kind of Ben White got a lot of stick last year where he was like, I I don't watch any football outside of it. Like it's my job. I love playing football but I don't like watching it. And you, there's some actors, and we've heard about it recently in terms of uh, Liam Neeson, I think, is one that we had to do the thing with uh, De Niro where he was being asked why he does like uh, Dirty Grandpa, and it's always a paycheck yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Jonah Hill seems like an actor that loves acting, and he loves everything yeah. about it. He's now gone on to do directing, he does producing, he does writing, just yeah, everything well, about the, the business. The famous story about him, I suppose, is the one for the Wolf of Wall Street. Where yeah, he yeah. Just like, oh, fuck it, just pay me the least you can physically pay me, just so I can do it with uh, DiCaprio and Scorsese. And yeah, I, I, I like the Scorsese thing. To be honest, like I, if I had the money, I would probably pay him just to to get just to sit around him for a while, um, and just pick stuff up and just learn. Because the guy has to be full of fucking just absolute gold. I laugh. I watched Knocked Up again in the week, and when they call Martin uh, Scorsese on coke after he's just got his beard, unreal. Hmm. I was just looking at the quotes to see if there's anything in particular that um, we've missed in the film. I think it's one of them where we could probably have quoted the whole film 
probably one yeah. that we do a whole podcast on to be fair with the one and two what, what is your favorite scene in the film oh mate it's those two fighting yeah <laughs> it's unreal mate it's so funny it's tough for me between that and the big reveal of bit with the captain is sensational but listening to those two listening to those two is just unreal it's so so good they say you've probably seen the story before where jonah hill says that him and Channing tatum just tried so hard to try and make ice cube laugh while mm. shooting and they could just never make him laugh yeah, and then they were on the plane going to one of the press tours, and they just heard him cracking up, and they're like, "What the hell is making him laugh?" And he was watching Friday. <laughs> Friday is fucking He's laughing at his own film, just cracking up. Good. Shall Weird we get in? Watch himself though. Yeah. As much as I do, do think Friday is a very, very funny film. It's just odd that you sit and watch your own comedy. Spring Break, by the way, is that just one of those where? There's almost just too much to be able to get wrong in a comedy. Actually, Spring Breakers, that wasn't really a comedy. It's just, you take it there. It's a great backdrop for whatever you're shooting in a comedy. I think it's one of them where you can just do whatever the fuck you want when you're there. There's there certain settings that, like, if you take that scene and it's like a kid's birthday party, it would just be weird. I don't know why that's why I was trying to think, <laughs> I was trying to think of something. I was trying to think of something innocent. Like, seeing his Spring Break, people like, oh, I would shoot if my opinion is Spring Break. It's basically just a load of 18 yeah well, i think you're probably being locked up if you take your kid for his birthday party at spring break yeah but what i'm saying is if i think about spring break it's probably just a load of kids getting on doing a load of drugs and shagging each other yeah sounds mint but i was trying to think of the <laughs> the opposite to that and child's birthday party as well i arrived i was gonna i was gonna go christening but uh. Uh, it, it's it's great and in that scene just having everyone back together again the scene, those twins, by the way, are very good in the small little bit that they get where they realize yeah. they're probably going to get killed. Um, and they're saying, do you not know about, don't get high on your own supply. And it's all oh, we didn't, we got high on each other's. <laughs> that is very funny. Yeah, I, I'm all in. You can give me 23, 4 and 5 Jump Street. Just give me any of the three from the credits. Yeah, no, I'm being, like, I'm being deadly serious. I'd love them to do a 23. I think the I, chemistry is too good with those two. They to are not very, do it. very good together. Like, just give them a chance. Give them, a, give it a final goodbye. It, are they like the equivalent of like the old little large partnership that you get in a four four two? Well, one of them just nodding it down for the other one to finish off. Yeah, it, and it yeah. and it works so well. Pesky they then. are two thousand and eight crouching Defoe. Crouching Defoe, yeah, that's fair. All right, let's get on to the judging. Okay. You've managed to have your fan on here. Mine would just batter my uh, microphone, so I'm very warm. When I turned the fan on, the room was that hot. It was blowing out warmer. Yeah. But you got to, you've got to get through that, and now the fan's quite quite refreshing to be to be honest. And recently, that you can get this is like a little aircon unit where you just pour water into it. cold water in each night and just let it go at you. Yeah, you can get uh, you can get quite a few. You can get like you can get like massive ones that are like thirty five liters, and it just fucking it would just last for about four days. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm. All right, which film you do you prefer? Yourself one quickly. Trick, trick is apparently you put some ice in it as well. Yeah, we'd absolutely. It, it, it chills the temperature of the water apparently, which makes it come out cold. Don't know if that's true. Don't know. What I'm sure it is. 
which film do you prefer? I agree. And which is more rewatchable for you? It is 22 Jump Street. Well, that'd be a tough one for you. I know it's odd, but I like I watched Ace Ventura a lot when I was young. Yeah, I get you. Whereas rewatching it now, your rewatch, you do your rewatch, but it's probably more sen- more sensibly than I do. I've said this on many previous pods. Mine is essentially, if you tell me I've got to watch one in the very near future, which one would I rather watch again? But the answer. That's pretty much. That's pretty much how I do it. There's a certain level of yeah, run time does come into it, but depends what it's up against. Um, best quote. Oh mate, this is one of them where you can pick up. You can give me a list of. You can probably give me a list of ten from twenty two jump shit, and I just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mine's the hit and quit it line. That's had me cracking up ever since I saw it again yesterday. Yeah, I, I, I. I do love the bit about string being fun. It fucking breaks me when he's <laughs> ripping the leg off the turkey and all fucking kills me. <laughs> MVP. Ace. It's it's tough. Um, part of me wanted to give it to Schmidt for the helicopter jump, mm. which I tweeted about yesterday in films where they, not everyone can just catch the full weight of another person and hoist them up by the way that's a that's a far more difficult thing than films would have you believe yeah if you're just if you're just teetering on a cliff edge and someone's falling off and you reach to grab them while they're falling they're they're far more likely to pull you off the cliff than you are to pull them back up and i think unless they weigh legitimately four i think that's just too many unless they weigh three stone i'm going there, there's a okay, point so in this... one, but if you if, if, if it's a choice between you and I in that scenario and you're sliding off sayonara there's a point in this new Jurassic Park where Chris Pratt is falling off a helicopter the aeroplane mm. and Bryce Dallas Howard is able to catch him and hoist him up with one arm yeah I'm not buying that he does also outrun a dinosaur which can catch up with a car so there's probably a lot wrong with that film well, I wasn't impressed going in because the only review I had was from someone saying they walked out partway through. Yeah, I didn't think it was that bad, but yeah, it was, probably wasn't needed. A side character. Oh, she didn't bow, mate. Yeah, absolutely. You've gone quiet. Last per minute. Oh, 20 jump street. You hear me, sound? Yeah, sorry. You I, just know, I, I probably just leaned a bit back too much. Best soundtrack? 22 Jump Street? Yeah. Originality? H. Ventura. Yeah. <laughs> Very little like that. Bigger impact? So, I thought about, I had two schools of thought about this. I think possibly you could you could give it 22 jump shit and I thought, yeah, fair enough, it was huge at the time. This really did help Jim Carrey's career and everything that that came into. I think it's Ace Ventura. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with you, but I did have to, I think, felt like just on their own, then maybe you could say 22 jump street because it was, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm too young because I don't remember how big was it if Ace Ventura was big, but I remember 22 jump street being massive. Yeah. Whereas this basically is just the launch pad for 
Jim yeah. Carrey for yeah. like, 10 years. Best opening scene? Oh, 22 Jump Street, man. I agree. Uh, best ending? Also 22 Jump Street. I'm I not feel like after what we said about the, the yeah, Ventura ending, that's dangerous territory. Yeah, I can't do it. Chemistry? 22 Jump Street. We've just done a 15 minute fucking segment on their chemistry. Yeah, I agree. So 22 Jump Street goes through to the next round. 10 3 over Ace Ventura. Didn't expect it to be that big. No, it's one of, the, one of them, isn't it, where it can happen? Yeah. Big week next week Pulp Fiction, American History X. Seen Pulp Fiction? I've seen Pulp Fiction. I've not seen American History X. <laughs> Good luck. We're talking about some dicey subjects today. Well, yeah, I, I know, I know elements of American History X, so we'll get yeah. there. Yeah, next week will be uh, be some dicey subjects, but yeah. at least they're not played for laughs. The film is the film is ultimately about a group of neo Nazis, so there's got to be some. There's sort of has to be some ele- element of race race in there. Well, thank you again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.